Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Eliza Orleans. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Evan Ross Katz, but I gotta say, as a listener of Drop Your Buffs on uh-huh. my plane ride home, what a delightful episode with you and Eliza. I was just so impressed. Wow, thank you. It was I great mean, to have Eliza. Like, I, the thing was, I see... You were away again. I'm going to be away next week. So this, we're going to have this problem again. I don't know what's oh, happening with Survivor 45, <laughs> but the forces are working against us to get these out like Thursday mornings as we like. But I thought there's so much to talk about and there's so many great alum that we have relationships with that like, why not bring them in? If Rob has a podcast can do it, I think we can do it too. So I wanted to talk to Eliza because I haven't talked to Eliza. So, you know, she filled in for me once, but I haven't actually spoken to her. So it's like, let's get Eliza's takes on this. And she delivered. Right. But you did such a great job, I felt, of like finessing the conversation so that it felt like you were talking about 43, while also getting... 45. 45, excuse me. (laughs) I did bring up 43 (laughs) I was going to say, you did bring up 43. Um, But but at the same time, also giving a lot of insight into both Vanuatu and Micronesia Mm. and the ways in which her experiences on both of those seasons, you know... uh, to, you know, connected to today. I mean, one insight I picked up was when she talked about the fact that she developed Giardia and it took her years mm-hmm. after playing the game to recover from that because we often talk about the fact of like, it's annoying how much the, the players are provided today, um, but there were ramifications to a time when they weren't being provided things that affected them for, in Eliza's case, years after being on the show. So it sort of created a new perspective. But I also thought, as you brought up, the drama mean stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and Eliza being told that she couldn't have it, Carolyn being given it, uh, super duper interesting, just small insights like that, that we would not be able to get unless we had an alumni with uh, the experience that someone like Eliza has. Yeah, and it's interesting, this medical thing is interesting because it's come up before where I think the show realized that medevacs aren't fun to watch. I mean, they, they do provide like a little drama, but it's depressing when somebody, especially somebody in a good position is going home. I mean, we have no idea. Like James probably would have gotten Black Widow brigaded out of the game in Micronesia, but like he had a medevac. We don't know how Jen- Jonathan Penner might have like inserted himself into uh, the strategy of that season as well. If he could have gotten out of the position he was in. But, you know, we, we don't know because these people were medevaced. And so I think, and like, granted, they were provided a little medical attention, but I think it's gotten better where they're like, okay, it's actually not fun. Like the suffering is only up to a point because it's actually yes. not fun to get people taken out of the game for like, you know, serious uh, uh, injuries and stuff like that, because that does, imp- it affects the game negatively. Yeah. And so like, yeah, we can give Carolyn a little medicine for her motion sickness. It's not going to impact the But part of me game. feels that, I guess my question is like, should that become something that's discussed on the show? And again, I can argue for it being done and it being not being done. And I'm reminded how much of like, um, when the, I think I brought this up before, but when the Real Housewives launched the Ultimate Girls Trip series, it was the first time that the franchise was able to talk about the franchise. The fact that 
relationships, for instance, these women make up with people not because they necessarily want to make up, but because the show needs them to make mm. up in order to continue to produce the show. Something like this is interesting in asking the question of like, should we know that a certain player is being given X, Y, and Z thing um, because of the situation? Does it inform our, our, meaning the viewers, understanding of that player? Would it have been helpful for us to know, hey, the reason why Carolyn's acting drowsy at Tribal is because she's just been given Dramamine? I, again, maybe, maybe not, but just something that I've been thinking about after listening to this fabulous interview on Drop Your Buffs. I half-jokingly texted you to be like, should, should I just like leave this show like I, I enjoyed listening to it so much I was like it's maybe it's better without me and I know that sounds self-deprecating but I meant it um I meant it only to say that I really enjoyed being able to be an audience uh on this fabulous podcast yeah but Evan you have said this you said this when Jerry Manthe filled in for you oh I love that one this. too you said this when Bathtub Mary filled in for you uh-huh. um so mm-hmm. I think this is more of like a you issue uh that Maybe you like to be a listener more than you like to be a co-host, but guess what? You're stuck with me. Okay. Well, here I am. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you allowing, you know, cause you've got, you're doing double duty this week. Yeah. Um, which I guess. I'm doing triple be... duty because we started our Traders Canada recaps uh, with Ricard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so you are just, you're a workhorse. So I appreciate you putting in the time uh, and, and, you know, appreciating uh, spending some time with an OG. Yeah. So we have to, well, I didn't want to just do the Eliza recap because we did have to get our official take here on episode three of Survivor 45, No Man Left Behind. There's a lot of talk online about this episode. And I think we can get to, I think we'll we'll talk about the sort of fan reaction to this in our Patreon exclusive after show, which you are not, if you are not a subscriber to our Patreon, uh, you're missing, you're only getting half the story because we're over on Patreon talking about the episodes every week in our exclusive after show. that's my plug for that. But fortunately, a lot of you are getting the other half yes. of the show because we've seen such a huge uptick in our Patreon community. So shout out to shout out to the OG Patreons, obviously, but also shout out to our newbies. Thank you for coming along. And we are excited soon. I feel we will be announcing some other bonus content around what new, or excuse me, mm. what old season we will be recapping. Sean and I have not even, you know, aligned <laughs> on exactly what that will be, but yeah. that announcement will be happening soon. So please, for our new Patreons, as well as people that are on the, the cusp of whether or not to join, it is not just Survivor 45 coverage that you will find over on the Patreon. There is more to behold. We have already recapped Borneo. We've already recapped Panama. All those are up there for you. There's tons of exclusive content over there that you can binge if you join now. But also... Maybe we'll be recapping non-Survivor shows in the future over on mm. Patreon. Oh, so you've maybe come around. <laughs> on okay, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk after. Um, okay, wait. But before we get into this episode, do you want to talk now, or we could save this for the Patreon, about a tweet from Kellen, I believe is her name? I don't know the tweet. To bring yes, it up. you do. Then maybe it's not Kellen. Oh. It's a tweet from a former alumni talking about Jake falling into the fire and feeling like CBS mm. should not have included that in the tease for the episode. Yeah, um, it was her. Um, I don't even do you, really know who that is. <laughs> I don't either. That's what. But I. I it's less that I wanted to bring her up in yeah, more yeah, yeah. the tweet itself. Um, do you want me to try and find it? Uh, yeah, sure. It's. Uh, I believe. Yeah, you can read it out. Do you find this to be a worthwhile subject or no? Yeah, I do. 
you know, if you didn't see the promos, but I believe it was actually in the next time on Survivor, uh, if episode two, we saw Jake collapse into the fire. Actually, yes, we I talked have. about this on the podcast. We d- he did not get eaten by an alligator, as I as I theorized. Uh, in fact, what happened with Jake this week over on the Bellow Tribe is that he's sort of like passed out or like lightly seized around the fire Uh, it was a little bit of a scary moment but they did include that in the next time on survivor in episode two which got this tweet do you have yeah 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 i have the tweet this tweet is from kellen who allegedly played in (laughs) survivor season 36 Uh uh-huh which season is that ghost island ghost that's the wendell dom season yeah Okay, her tweet, so she, so basically Carson posted the clip saying, did Jake just fall into the fire? Carson, our friend Carson, Carson who we friend have no pod. beef with, friend of the pod, Carson posted that. Kellen then quote tweeted it or quote exit, whatever, you know, whatever we say these days and said, I cannot stress, stress this enough to CBS in all caps, please stop using people's physical injuries to promote Survivor. And then, in what I thought was a fantastic uh, response, someone whose Twitter handle is at FML underscore forever underscore two, they said, I don't know, but isn't the whole purpose of Survivor surviving? Like, the physical injuries and sicknesses always have been a huge aspect of the game and living in the wilderness. I get it for other shows, but not Survivor. And that seemed to be a general consensus amongst a lot of the replies Kellen seeming to be framing this as exploitative. And I feel like, as this response indicated, what show are you watching, lady? Well, I feel like this is the perfect example of, and I talked about this a little bit with Eliza, about how the show has become solely about the game and not so much about survival, which is then confusing that, you know, they're not giving them flint, they're not giving them even machetes, like the basic tools they need to survive. And that, like, a lot of the time, the implications of that aren't even seen on the show. So when you do get a moment like this, it's a callback to, oh, this thing is hard. We're on it, like, we're truly on a deserted island, and we're having to, like, deal with everything that comes with that, the illnesses, the injuries, the the lack of shelter, the lack of food, etc. And so, like, yes, this is a part of, like... there's there's the game and there's the show and there's the experience but sometimes these things overlap the experience and the game where like although it didn't have a big impact as we saw on like jake's whatever physical ability to play the game it could have right and so like i think it's important to show this kind of stuff and guess what it's like a big moment was it the biggest moment of the episode no but it's a moment that happens that's like significant and gets a reaction from the audience So like yeah we can put it in the promo This is like exactly what you're supposed to put in the promo. And I actually think it did impact the arc that they were trying to present, which was that because Kendra was present for that, it was the first opportunity, you know, because as of now, we sort of saw it as like, there's the three women on the one side, the three men on the other. And this was sort of like that bridging moment of like, could Kendra consider working with other people because she was present in that moment? It Mm. created this bonding moment between her and Jake that then brought them over to the water well. I felt like it wasn't just this like random thing that occurred and we moved on. I felt like it spurred some further action, which is, you know, the show attempting to give the Blue Tribe some airtime by saying like, you know, is this tight knit group not as tight as you think? Um, Which seems to be a big, uh, we're three episodes in and yet there's a lot of uh, effort from the show to make it seem like 
These alliances are locked and loaded. Everyone knows who they're working with entirely. They've been working with this person. They're with this person until the end. We have Sabaya and Sean, you know, talking Endgame three episodes in. Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the efforts of the 90 minutes, and in my mind, which is very blatant, is an effort to make the show's early episodes feel much more substantive um, because one of the complaints that we sometimes have about Survivor is that in the beginning, when you have so many players, it's hard to really care about those early boots. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the 90 Minutes is really trying to not only make us care about the early boots, but show us that in the 26-day game, strategizing happens from the moment you get onto the island. And I think that one thing that perhaps we might be able to argue is, well, yes, and are we then over-strategizing as a means to compensate? Mm. I'm thinking about something that Eliza said in our conversation, which is that when you get certain scenes included in the show, they they may likely have an impact. And so this thing with Jake, although it's like it, although it's it jumps out as something that probably should be included in the show, whether it has an impact or not, because it's like a you know it's kind of a shocking moment that's happening over on the Bellow Tribe where there's not a whole lot going on. Um, it could be about this relationship with Kendra and that, you know, the whole conversation on the Bellow tribe or the, the, the audience conversation as well, where are these alliances going to shake out where you have Kelly and Brando in the middle between the guys and the girls. And then the girls seem really solid. And Kendra thought, you know, it's three girls to the end. Uh, and then you have this moment where maybe, maybe it's not. And uh, so, yeah, I think that to your point about the strategy uh, that's going on in the 90 minute episodes. I'm really, really feeling this because in a good way, because typically I'm mean, like, if you look back at probably the most extreme example, survivor 41, the tribe that Erica was on, which I cannot recall the name of right now, uh, who won every immunity challenge in the pre-merge. We never saw them go to tribal council. Therefore, we almost never saw them and we had no idea what their dynamics were. And as a result, we barely knew our winner until like well into the merge. And with these 90-minute episodes now, I feel like I have a really good sense of every sort of combination of alliance, the sub-alliances within those. Like you look at the Reba tribe, that four-person alliance, we understand that, you know, Drew and Austin have something going on. Julie and Dee have something going on and they're all kind of like making concessions to each other. Like, I feel like I really understand that dynamic. I feel like I get, you know, the complex complexities of like a pre-tribal uh, uh, division over at Bello. Like I talked about with the girls and the guys and Kelly and Brando and now Ke- this Kendra wild card situation. Uh, so I feel like even though Lulu has gone to tribal council, these 90 minutes have given me a really good sense of where everybody sits. And with a tribe swap coming up in the next episode, seemingly, uh, that really has given the audience a good lay of the land of like all of the variables that could go into the eventual new tribes. And I hear that and I I completely agree. It's not, I don't, I, Evan, don't need pedal to the metal three episodes in. It's a little too, well, where does everyone stand with every single person and how, how am I gonna move forward with this person? But if this person's not in it and again, like, I'm three episodes in, like, mm-hmm. cut up a coconut for me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I I feel like it's a little, just, we've we've dove in. Yeah, do, we've dove in. And I understand that there are a lot of people that are going to like that. 
And I certainly can hear the argument of like, well, would you rather like three boring episodes as opposed to this season that's like started off so intensely? Probably not. This is probably better. But I just feel like the fact that, again, we have people like Sabaya and Sean talking final two at this juncture to me indicates that like maybe there's a medium of some kind to be found. And I have to say, I don't know why this is coming to mind for me probably because they rewatched it not that long ago. But when I was rewatching Pearl Islands and looking at the tribe with um, with uh, uh, Dara mm-hmm. and T and uh, Andrew and <laughs> trying to name uh, all... Wait, who's the guy you love, the hot guy? Oh. Um, Ryan. No, Burton. No, you love but, Ryan. Well, I love Ryan. Sorry, Rhino and Burton. Okay, when yeah. I... But Burton's not, not on this tribe. Okay, but yeah, yeah. when I think about that tribe, what was so great is like... I, I don't know, it's like you watch, they really, it seemed, from the edit, rather, they weren't really even thinking about who would go home until they were put in a situation in which they had to go home. There wasn't, like, a pecking order that was established so much. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's just indi- indicative of, like, a different time in the game, and, like, that's not how you can play anymore. I guess my question is, I would pose it to you this way. Do you feel like if you're playing Survivor in the current era of the show... And you get to the island, you have the five other people on your tribe. Do you have to play in a way in which you have a ranking internally, every single player of you look at the other five and you say, here is my order of elimination. You know, you have, you might have an alliance, but like you have to have a sub alliance within the alliance. You have to like, that, that seems like the way in which you have to play today, where you always have to be aware of some sort of pecking order in how you view the tribe that bests your end game. Yes, I think that that's true. But I think that that's been true a lot longer than you're implying. I think that for players of the game, and maybe the difference is they haven't always had a full cast of players of the game. But I can't imagine that, say, in Survivor China, Todd didn't have a pecking order for everybody, including his alliance uh, in the game. Like, I I think that he probably did. Or that, like... Uh, I don't know, an Ian in Palau was thinking about that. So then with that in mind, I guess my question is, so to talk about that from the perspective of the Red Tribe for a moment, because I think, and you and Eliza spoke about this, I think there was that moment when Julie and Dee find the idol where the viewer is sort of like, oh my God. Find the hammer. They find the hammer. Or rather, excuse me, the hammer. There's a moment as a viewer where you're like, this is a moment where like they can take back the power, right? Like, this two of the four tried to one up them and they can be the two of the four that actually like gets a fast one on them and they chose not to. And I guess I'm trying to understand from the perspective of Julie and D, how did they not see it to be in there? Like, how is it in anyone's best interest to be a solid four when it always seems like it's better if you're in that situation to corral someone on the outside of that four to come over to you and I, I guess I'm just sort of like, I'm trying to understand from D and uh, Mama Julie, because we got Mama Julie in the mix. Uh, how was it, why is it in their best interest to stay aligned with Austin and Drew, especially when they have the intel to know that that Drew and Austin might not be a hundred with them? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it gets to this idea of h- how much information you should be sharing, because we've been seeing everybody 
virtually on this season sharing all the information that they have. And I think that that's a result of some of the things that have been going on in the new era where it's like really, really difficult to hold that stuff in. But I I think it's like a little bit reciprocal, right? Like Drew shared about his uh, safety without power advantage openly with his tribe. Then Austin, not necessarily openly, he was like a little bit forced to share, but he did share the information. And I think in a tribe like Reba or Bello, who have yet to go to tribal council, I think it's just like too early, maybe in Julie and Dee's minds to like be pulling the wool over Austin and Drew's eyes, even though they were having it pulled over theirs for a second there. Um, in their mind, I could see that they don't necessarily want to be like rocking the boat before mm. their alliance actually gets to do anything at tribal council because I, that could become really risky. And they don't know how this idle thing is going to work out. They know it's a beware advantage, like I talked about with this Eliza. I, I don't know how this works. If they stole the idol, sort of, from under his nose, how does that impact his vote? Is he going right. to show up at tribal council and he can vote? And then he knows the only other people who knew where the, where the location was, was Julie and Dee. So would they be like exposing themselves as like, you know, uh, stealing his idol and, and, and then, then that trust is broken. And then what? Then they Yeah, but that would be so iconic if they were like, yeah, we're taking your power and there's nothing you can do about it. We have well, this. We're not but there, getting there to you. There is something he, they could do about it. They like, uh, you know, presumably if they if that scenario, this hypothetical scenario were to happen, um, then probably Julie or uh, Julie and D would target one of Austin or Drew. Right. But still, somebody's going to come. They're going to come back to camp. Whoever survives that, let's say it's Drew, comes back to camp and tells Sifu and J Maya what's going on. Now that's three against two, right? So like, I think it would put. Julian D ultimately in not a great situation. I think there's a way for them to play it. I mean, like you just the, to be able to have, the, or also it's like keep Austin around without a vote. Yeah, but if the idol gets found, I have to imagine that if the idol got found, Austin's vote would be restored. Right. I don't so know wait, that it's like Austin wait, wait, has wait. to be in possession of the idol. I guess we wait, wait. I think I'm yeah. confused. I'm saying that if they would have found that, uh -huh. told Austin they had it. And uh -huh. that they're not willing to give it to him, he would not have his vote. I think we don't know the answer to that. And it's like, well, okay, so that's a good question. But like, yeah. that's yeah, Evan. But no, but like, couldn't they then go to Sifu yes, and to Jemaya and be yeah. like, hey, they were trying to withhold this from you. We're gonna hold on, keep him from voting, and we're telling you as a way to ingratiate ourselves with you. I just think there's a lot of like. They could. There's a lot of ways to maneuver. Now, to to our confusion, I think a great way to make uh, the, uh, what's the Jeff Probst podcast called? On Fire with Jeff Probst. I think it would be really useful with the On Fire podcast yeah. to talk about as they're designing these new aspects of the game. Obviously, we imagine they game them all out when they're, when they're developing them. It would be great to sort of talk about like what would have happened. For instance, and again, I didn't listen to this week's On Fire, so pardon me if it is addressed, but like... Was the was the thought pattern that yeah, if the the yellow tribe doesn't have a flinter and and finds it, that they will probably bring it to tribal council and try to use it then? Was that something that they had thought of? Was that something they were shocked to see Sabaya do? Was there ever a scenario in which by putting the idol in the fire, the idol too would burn? Um, that it was the kind of thing where like you had to sort of like you know cook it rather than just throw it in. Lots of questions I would love to know about the design. Um, there's something else I'd like to know. Mm -hmm. Can we transition to a round of Star or Starless? Let's do Star or Starless. We need okay. like some music for this segment. <laughs> 
I'm so excited. The one thing I came away from the Eliza episode being like, oh my God, this was so great. I was like, the one thing that I can bring to the table, star or starless. I um, wish I had thought to do star or starless with Eliza. I'm glad you didn't. It would have rendered me feeling just completely incapacitated. <laughs> okay. okay. Shall we roll the dice? Let's start with Brando. Starless. Starless. Bruce. Starless this episode. Starless. Agreed. Jake. Starless. Starless. Katora. Star. Starless, but rising. Yeah. Kelly. Starless. Starless. Kendra. Star. Star. And this is a this is a transition. This is for your me. first. I, yeah, this is your first, first star Kendra, Kendra star. Absolutely. Austin. Star. Starless. Ah. Uh. D. Star. Starless. Drew. <laughs> star. Star. J. Maya. Starless. Starless. And like, ugh, come on. Mm. Julie. Starless. Star. Really? Yeah. Wait, you're giving D a starless, but you're giving Julie a star? I'm giving Julie a star. Huh. That was just my read on things. Okay. I could see it can go. It's like I'm comfortable with giving them both star or both starless. So in that case, I'm going to demote. Let's go starless. You can't be on the oh. fence. Julie, oh. starless. Sifu. Sifu starless. I would say the most starless of the episode. Mm. Uh, Emily. Star. Star, but her most starless episode Yeah, yet. but that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Caleb. Star. Star. Sabaya. Star. Star. Star, Sean. capital S, capital yeah. T, capital A, capital R. <laughs> Sean starless. Starless. I keep forgetting that Sean is on the Lulu tribe. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. He, I did appreciate he had a great reaction shot um, after Sabaya left the game, um, mm. but that was pretty much all we got from Sean. But yeah, I think the biggest surprise here would be Bruce sort of being demoted to Starless totally. here. Um, but what's interesting about this red tribe, who I really do have my eye on, I would say red is second to yellow as far as being the most interesting tribe mm. here. But like to me, I'm getting more of like. I'm interested in them as a collective, mm. but none of them are really rising above the other one, which is why I think when it comes to like, because I gave Austin, D, and Julie, I gave them all starless, but like together, there's star power, um, yes. which is interesting. You know what it's I mean? Like, like I've, Girls, I've, yeah. yeah, like I've got my eye on this tribe <laughs> for sure. Um, and I'm very curious to follow along with the rest of them. This Drew person, I am like very fascinated by because- uh-huh. I would have little patience for Drew in life. Um, but I recognize that like he defies a lot of the archetypes that I think he could I could ascribe him to. Um, which I find I, I, I have a fascination with him. His his confidence without being this, the way in which I, I guess I would frame it this way. The way in which I often see confidence portrayed on this show doesn't feel applicable to Drew. And yet mm-hmm. Drew has a confidence that like, I can't help but like be not endeared to, but I'm like, I just appreciate Drew's confidence because I don't think he should have such confidence. <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that he is like, defying my insistence that he not have that confidence. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Do you have a little crush on Drew? I don't have a crush on Drew, <laughs> but this is, I was going <laughs> to, 
yeah. I was gonna say something too uncensored. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. <laughs> um, let's just say I've seen films on the internet with Drew types. Does that make oh sense? Evan, please. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, I hear you. Uh, there was, wait, before we move on from the Reba tribe, I have one more note, which is okay. that, yes, J. Maya continues to be starless, but she has a moment here, which just did not make it into your meme cap, I have to say, but there is a, a subtle moment here where, of course, Caleb wins the opportunity to do a camp raid on Reba, which, I, you know, I love a camp raid, but there's nothing to raid, so it's not, like, that effective, but when he comes over and they're all introducing themselves, uh, you have... You have Sifu saying, oh, yeah, hey, I'm a, mu- I- I'm a musician. And then you have J. Maya go, I'm a professional musician. Oh, I'm going to add that <laughs> when we get off this. That's great. Wait, we two things on that. The song that was created uh-huh. by Survivor, I don't have time to address it right now, <laughs> but it's something that will stay unaddressed, but I'm just putting... A pin. Just want to say, yeah. yeah I just want. I just want to say, like, I want to acknowledge that, like, we that bore that witness, happened. yeah, to that. Um, on the raid front, though, I do feel like what's strange to me about the raid is that it really is more about the opportunity to go and talk game with another tribe. Yeah. So the presentation yeah. of it as being like this reward for this tribe, it really was just a reward for Caleb. Yeah. And I feel like the way in which that, like wasn't set up as such like like the sorry i'm i just wrote down reba under red under yellow is this lulu the lulu lemons and then the blue is what bello bello they got the flop name okay so under uh with 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 regard to um him coming over uh 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 Kilo coming over yeah. i just thought it was odd that the the rest of the tribe the lulu tribe was supposed to act like we're sending him over because he's going to do this for us as opposed to them being like he we're allowing him to basically be the winner of this challenge because he contributed the most to us winning. And so we're giving him the real win, which is the opportunity to go and talk game. I mean, like they would have to be idiots and I don't think they are to think that Caleb's going to go over there and use all of the information he accrues to further us as a tribe in the game. This is every person for themselves, honey. So I thought it was odd that he was like given free reign to be like, let me take, do some one-on-ones with everyone. If I were the producers, I'd be like, no, honey, grab the machete and get back on the boat. Well, no, the producers want the one-on-ones with everybody. Fair. I mean, not not only do they want it, they actually forced him to do so in giving him the goodwill advantage, which he had no choice whether or not to give that to somebody. It said, you must give this to somebody. Right. So, right. So then I think the way that this needed to be played was the Lulu tribe should have been forced to compete in a second challenge afterwards to decide which among them was going to go over. I just feel like there's a way in which this needed to be recognized that he was being given an ultimate reward in a way and not being like a tribal representative. That framework to me didn't work. He was playing yes, his own game. Yes, but. Yes, but. Yes, but. I don't know that everybody on Lulu saw this as a reward for Caleb because this is when Sabaya took the opportunity uh-huh. to talk about how she doesn't want to sit at the end next to Caleb, which is a little early to be thinking about that. And you know, confides this in Sean, they make a final two deal together. uh, And then later they will pull Emily into this. So, I mean, had this worked out for Sabaya, 
had Emily not sort of like taken a step back and like, is this the best thing for me? That actually would have been a uh-huh. huge hindrance to Caleb's game. Uh-huh. There was something that I think it was Sean said earlier on in the episode about the Lulu tribe. I think he described them as like a motley crew. And I was like, this is not a motley crew. Like we have some had some legit motley crew. Yeah, we've had some motley on crews. Survivor. I mean, the most obvious being the final four in Borneo. Like that is a <laughs> motley crew. This, this, this is not a motley crew. I would say that uh, the Luzon tribe, the Brains tribe on Cagayan, was a motley crew. Never heard of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> who was You had, on like, it? Cass, Jatia, Tasha. You had that really ripped guy who was who went out really early. I can't remember his name. Um, Spencer. Like, that okay, was wait. a motley crew. Should I say something? <laughs> say whatever you like. I do want to put, just throwing it in the mix, I do want to put Cagayan in contention for our next rewatch because... Oh, my God. I, no, hear me out. Hear me out. I don't want to watch it either, Sean. Hear me out. I feel like it's an interesting sort of project for uh, for you and I as like <laughs> yeah. non-Kagayan enthusiasts yeah, yeah, yeah. to approach a season so enthused. It kind sure. of reminds me about like our potential, <laughs> sorry, our potential Rick Devins episode coming up. It reminds me of that where I'm like, should we test ourselves? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> By you know, by engaging. It's kind of like when you go and do an exercise at the gym that you really, really hate, like one of those core exercises, but you're like, this is going to be better for us. It's like, are we better <laughs> off to just tackle Kagayan? But, but I thought it was only like a week ago that you suggested we watch Winners at War for all the same reasons. Oh, yeah. Anyways, well, okay, so we've got two in contention here. and uh, You know what I mean? For hey, me, why not throw in Worlds Apart? Which one's that? 30 uh, with the mic win. I would definitely, I, that's what an interesting one for me to rewatch because I remember having a very, but that's the one with the really intense bullying, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's tough. Okay, what about like Redemption Island? Which one's that? Uh, wait, that's the Rob, Rob Mariano. Um, no, Andrea's first season, Philip Shepard's first season. I know no. what I'm saying, like, hey, it, I'm just saying, it, it doesn't it fall within the same category of... No, because I remember my response to Redemption Island was being bored. Yeah, it's boring. Um, and that's at least Kagayan's specific... not boring. Yes, You're Kagayan right, was boring. not boring. And I, I also feel like my view of Kagayan was such where like because it is regarded so highly, and I had watched so many seasons before that are not regarded highly that I was like, this is event television. Like for instance, I loved Gabon when I first watched it, and no mm-hmm. one really cares about Gabon in a way that like I think Gabon is a better season than Kagayan. Hey, our second boot on this season, Brandon. It's his favorite season. It's the reason he he fell in love with Survivor was. Gabon. I mean, that's some that's hyperbole. Uh, but I appreciate the hyperbole. That to me, <laughs> you know what that is reminding me of? Like there used to, there are these people out there that exist that will tell you season six of Buffy is the best season of Buffy, right. and I'm like, okay, like they're just okay. trying to get some engagement going. Yeah. I think like, fall for I, think, I feel like that's what Kellen's tweet was, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But no, Brandon, I hear you. I, I think my sense is the root of that opinion comes from the fact of like wanting to pull out a subversive take because how fun is it when someone's like, my favorite season of Survivor is Heroes versus Villains. It's like, thanks. But like, I'm trying to learn about who you are as a person. And I feel like someone saying Gabon is my favorite season of Survivor tells me a lot about who they are. It endears me. Yeah, sure. My favorite season is Thailand, so... I'm just kidding. It's actually not. <laughs> but, okay, let's get back to Survivor 45. We've talked about the Bellow Tribe. There's nothing more to say about the Bellow Tribe, right? No. No, I'm, I got it. Well, the only thing I would say is the Kelly Brando being the fulcrum here. Mm-hmm. I 
I need to, it's like, I need to hear from other people. Interestingly, like we have not heard from Bruce at all about what Bruce's mm-hmm. game is. And I feel like that's for a reason. I just feel like we're being like, like for instance, does Bruce have any understanding that Katora is out to get him? And as a result, if he does, is he trying to gun for Katora? I feel like we're just not being given a viewpoint of many people's perspectives on this. Where does Jake stand, for instance? Like, I just feel like we're being told Brando and Kelly are these swing votes, but like, that's all coming from one side. Yeah, I thought Katora had a great confessional this episode where people were sitting around and and the subject of Bruce came up and she sort of listed off all the, she was like, you know, I'm going to emphasize, I'm going to stress, I'm going to, you know, whatever, all of these things about Bruce every time I can. I really love that, like, for, for no particular, I mean, there is a reason, but it's like, it seems her distaste for Bruce is like heightened to a level that's like, unnecessarily high but probably because they have nothing to do and she's just like enough with the robot yeah i needed it to go to like i I wanted another beat of it this episode i wanted this to be like this repeated beat of like whenever we cut to bello it just katora like having had it with bruce (laughs) yeah i will say i did notice i don't know if you caught this so uh we posted on our gram about parvati's return from filming the traitor season two we We did did a breaking news welcome home post Parvati <laughs> commented on the post. Uh-huh. And then did you see who liked Parvati's comment? No. Katora liked Parvati's comment on Drop Your Buffs post. <laughs> okay. That caught so my So what attention. are we reading into that? I'm just saying it felt like a hello. And I just want to audibly uh, say hello in response. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> okay. I, I really like Katora. I want me like, too. The problem with Bello not going to tribal and getting like a little ghosted in the edit is I think we're missing some of the. We're getting a little bits of Kendra. We're getting little bits of Katura, but we're not. I don't think they're being given their opportunity to shine in the way that they have the potential to do so. Yes, and may I just say too? I just real quick uh, while I'm thinking of it, just to touch down on Emily, my frustration thus far is I feel like an icon was born in episode one, mm-hmm. and then she like quote-unquote course corrected in episode two Mm -hmm. and it's like i feel like we i want more of the emily from episode one and if this is emily from episodes two and three here on out i'm i i like then like the like the the mother status or or whatever we want to call it like the (laughs) the building to an icon like we've we've had one iconic episode and two uniconic episodes i'm like i'm worried where it's like I'm hoping that the chaos castness that was spoken of is such where like the pendulum will just keep swinging. Yeah. But if the pendulum has swung and this is like who Emily is going to be like level headed and sort of like, um, you know, very, uh, re- uh, uh, what's the word? She's kind of just like acquiescing to whomever as a means to stay in the game. Now, granted, because of the tribe swap, that might change. Mm-hmm. And I guess the ideal scenario is that Emily gets put on a tribe with Bruce and we sort of, you know, mm. watch them duke it out. But I'm just saying it's like, I'm worried that like, we had a really great thing and I just want to recognize the fact that like, we haven't had that great thing since we were first introduced to the great thing. Wait a second. I don't want to rewrite history here because episode two, there was Chaos Emily. She was running around looking for the idol. She was like, I- I'm not, I'm reading uh, between the lines. Right, 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 right. Sorry. It was in the course of that Sorry, that she course you're right. corrected. You're right, you're so right. we had one and a half Chaos Emilies. Um, but I, like I said last week, I think Chaos Emily will still has time to emerge again. I think Hopeful. she's course corrected, but I think, she, uh, like I said, a Tucker can't change its stripes. So right. I, think, I think she's going to come back out. 
And I think the tribe swap, like you said, is what could do that for her because she's going to be back with, whether she's with Bruce or not, she's going to be back with new people who have a judgment around her. She still hasn't got kicked off of this very, like continually losing tribe. They're going to be like, what the hell's going on? And she's going to have, I think she's going to run into some similar problems meeting new people. Yes. I got to say there was a talking head towards the beginning of this episode with Caleb saying something of like, I am going to be like with Emily to the end or something, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't help but like, I took a note of that on the rewatch. I was like, I'm hearing something. Just not to say that I'm hearing that as like they are final two. What I'm hearing is that they're about to be either divided and they will come back together or they are going, my indication is that whatever is to come, that they are going to stay together, if not physically together, together when they are brought back together later in the game. I just, I took something from that. Can we talk about what happened at Lulu this week where Sabaya decided, wait, Caleb is a great social player. I don't want to sit next to him at the end. Girl, it's a little early. Okay, so have you had the opportunity to listen to any of Sabaya's uh, post I have not, no, no. I guess my question is like, Sabaya seemed too smart to like make this move. It just didn't feel supported. There's no reason for them to be thinking about tribe swaps just by looking at precedent from the last Mm -hmm. few seasons. So you would expect that like they're going to play more rounds to come. And it's quite obvious that Caleb along with Sabaya, like they are the two strongest physically. I just don't understand. And they had a good thing going up until now, I had a hard time understanding this move from Sabaya's perspective. Yeah, I hear you. I wonder if there is an element of this where Sabaya was aware that Caleb brought Emily under his wing and coached her a little bit. Like maybe they talked about that to be like, oh, you know, I had a chat with Emily and I just told her like tone it down. I wonder if she saw that and was like, wait a second, does he have something else going on? Is he picking up this floater to like as an option? And I don't like that. Like, was there something that broke the trust between them? Or was Sabaya actually always closer to Sean than she was with Caleb? Because we never really saw the conversations between all of them to be like, oh, yes, we only think of Sabaya and Caleb as a duo because Emily called them out in episode one as a duo. But that's only because they went to Sweater Savvy and played that together. So, like, did did we have really the full picture of what was going on here? Or was Sabaya always a little iffy on Caleb? I don't know. That's a good question. But I thought it was interesting of her to be making a final two deal with Sean again like I I feel a little bit a little bit torn about this because I think that they're sort of an they're not the duo that I expected and I think that's just maybe because I just don't know that much about Sean um we did see Sean I think it was episode one Sean sharing information with Sabaya about like I think he was the one that told them about Emily not really uh, wanting them together as a duo. And so there, there may have been seeds in there, but to be making a final two deal this early, I'm quick to criticize. And yet over the past four seasons, we've been saying like, why isn't anybody making final two deals? Mm-hmm. Why did like, why is it always this? Like, let's work together until a certain point and then we'll come apart. Uh, because now we've seen Emily or sorry. Now we have seen 
Sabaya and Sean making this final two deal. We've also over on the other side, I don't think it's been like expressed as a final two deal, but we've seen uh, Drew suggest to Austin that they be the JT and Steven of the season. That implies to me a final two deal. So we're seeing these things happen uh, and like how that's going to play out. I don't know. But I mean, it's not going to play out well for Sabaya and Sean, obviously. But uh, for Drew and Austin, like, is that is it possible they would actually want to go final two, well, final three together as a duo? Because we're not used to seeing that anymore. And I think like a great example of that is this, if Sabaya and Caleb were really close, you know, like she's making the move against him, which is sort of the way we've been conditioned to see these duos, you know, that their story end in the game, the Ricard and Shan, the like, uh, what are other duos? <laughs> in the new era there was something in 42 i feel like um but that 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 has become common practice is like have this duo until a certain point then cut them for the resume i would really like to see as we saw last season with the tika three like let's take this as far as we can because there's power in that yeah i don't know i don't the tika three is like not they're not the three they don't possess it's like it didn't feel like they came together and were like, let's do this to the end. It just never felt like they were really, and like, I think this was like sort of hinted at in our interview with Carolyn in a sense too, where it's like, it never quite felt like, felt like when you think of like, I don't know, this is the only example that's coming to mind, but like Beyonce, Michelle and Kelly, it's like the three of them come together and maximize the joint sleigh. I'm trying to think of a more, a a trio with more equilibrium. Is anything coming Mm. to mind for you? trio famous trio i know it's like hard to do trios yeah it is needless to say with tika three it just there was always a level of like convenience for me in a way that like they didn't have that like when you think of like Suri, amanda and parvati it was like us against the world you know what i mean like we it's we're here for each other i never felt that with the tika three it was sort of like well we did this from the beginning it's been working out for us should we just like Keep the it's band like together. the Jonas Brothers. It's like the Jonas Brothers. We had we had some hits. Hey, we have to see each other every Thanksgiving anyway. Why not keep this ball rolling? We Absolutely. can sell stadiums. Yeah, Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. It's like Hanson. They're still going. You know, if we're family, we might as well like keep it all. Keep the business in the family. I mean, Hanson got me into Eggo waffles. Excuse. <laughs> Do you remember their Ego Waffle commercial? No. Oh, they were like and I was they, a big Hanson fan. Um, my dear friend, one of my best friends from childhood, Tessa, is like the she she is to Hanson what I am to Buffy. Okay. Um. Anyway, they had some two people listening are snapping their finger right now, saying there's a song. It's it's on their very first album, but it, it's like from their Ego commercial. Anyway. Well, I, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, like <laughs> the, the album came before the Ego commercial. I believe so, but like the Echo commercial propelled. <laughs> right. Okay. It's oh, just, I wonder what song it is. I'm, gonna I know, look I'm looking it up as I'm, I'm vamping. I do. Like I do. Real. I love Hanson. You know, <laughs> I used to do a little musical theater as a kid, even though oh. I can't sing. It's like eventually, Wait. I eventually I stopped making the uh, uh, making it past the auditions because they realized I couldn't sing. But the first one I ever did. <laughs> whatever the first one i ever did my audition song was man from milwaukee by hansen which is the secret song from the first album oh wow (laughs) so the song is called thinking of you it is the first oh my god i love that song there you go that was 
if memory is serving. I wish it had been more of a situation of like, you know, on the Spice Girls' second album, how they have Generation Next, which is the Pepsi song. Yes, of course. That then they turned into a full-length song for their album. I wish the Hanson had done like Lego My Ego, and then it was on their second album as a full okay, song. Okay, but like, now. I didn't need Generation Next as a full song. I know. But or we don't need, let's not have all of it. Justin Timberlake do a whole I'm Loving It? Oh, did he? I don't know. Actually, I have no idea. I'm, I'm basing that off nothing. That okay. fuck face? Uh, Okay, (laughs) last topic here is that uh, Sabaya follows through on all of our conjecture and wondering of can she burn this at tribal council, the wax idol. Can I just follows through. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I just want to talk about this because that was the goopiest moment for me of the episode is that there was all like, can she burn it with her torch? Can she bring it to tribal? Mm, Like probably not on the official rules, but Jeff would probably love it if she did. Mm -hmm. Uh, She actually does it. She cooks the idol at tribal council and chooses that the the idol mechanics uh, are revealed uh, here that you can play your idol. It's good for one tribal council or you can continue to lose your vote and extend the life of the idol. Too confusing. A little too confusing for me. But I also, like, I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I'm not, like, I find it too confusing for the show, but I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I'm at a point in my acceptance phase of New School Survivor where it's like, yes, there are too many twists. I don't get, like, when they introduce these new twists, I'm no longer, like, angry about it. I'm sort of like, okay... I, I can imagine the world in which the outcome of this makes the game more interesting. I'm open to that while also just being like, stop with the twist, but also like my effort to say stop with the twist yeah. is not being heard. So like you've become numb to this. I'm become numb. I got to say though, <laughs> when we were on the last episode and I was like presented the question of, could she throw this in at tribal? I hadn't listened to all of the other podcasts. So I was like, am I like bringing forth this like really interesting question? <laughs> and then after we record, I go and listen to everything and like everyone, <laughs> everyone it. brought it up. And it was just, <laughs> I thought I was coming to the podcast and being like something that I bet none of you listeners have thought about. Meanwhile, everyone had thought about it except for me. So I just got to say, boo boo the fool. That is me. You're not a game changer. I'm not a game changer. I am not Claire. <laughs> But neither was Sierra Dawn Thomas. Hey, have you seen this thing about Sari? I can't find the clip, but apparently Corey on Big Brother, because he is just interviewing Sari every day about Survivor, it seems, uh, was asking her about, well, okay, well, what do you think of Sierra Dawn Thomas? And Sari goes, I've never played with her. And Corey's like, "Uh, yeah, you did in Game Changers. (laughs) I don't know who that is. Sierra is the one that's married to Joe. Who's Joe? Joe, QAnon Joe, Joe Thomas played in Game Changers. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen this person. <laughs> Wait, she's, she's currently married apart. to him. Yeah, she's played twice. QAnon. Yes, she was a Game Changer. Okay, let's in the sense on. that she wasn't a Game Changer, but she was on Game Changers. So Ree's response was after after being told, "Oh, you did play with her in Game Changers." Her response is, "Oh, her. Well, I never called her Sierra. We always called her Cowgirl." Okay, here's a question. Has Sierra Don Thomas, or did Sierra Don Thomas appear in the 2008 film Wieners, co-starring Kenan Thompson, Zachary Levi, and Jenny McCarthy? Well, I'm going to say yes, because if you just pulled that out of your ass, like, out of nowhere as a trivia question, I would be more confused than learning that she was in that. Okay. Further, she was, I can confirm. (laughs) Did she play... 
wet girl number one, wet girl number two, wet girl number three, or wet girl number five? Wet girl number three. She played wet girl number two. Oh, I was close. Yeah, you were close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. So Sabaya, game changer for throwing the wax into the fire at Tribal Council, but she makes this huge miscalculation of where the votes are falling, and she ends up getting sent home with this idol. Okay. Question. Yeah. Was. Please. <laughs> was. Close the browser. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't even see a year on this film. Was the film Sable Butterflies, a 12-minute film, uh-huh. was Joe Anglim a producer? <laughs> sorry, I just got the giggle. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say, yes, he was a producer. Okay, okay. Because you said his last name, and two, three minutes ago, you didn't know who he was. <laughs> he was a producer. Let's get into the plot real quick. After observing an increasing number of missing persons cases in his hometown, a college student must act to save the life of a young woman from a vicious gang oh of God. human traffickers. Oh, my God. Wow. This is his whole thing with the QAnon is the human trafficking. Is that oh, like Democrats no. are human tra- human trafficking and uh, the Clintons are running a human trafficking ring out of a pizza place? Like, okay, do not that's his stream this thing. film. So the fact that he made a film about it, enough. Cut off. Enough. Cut off the grants. The the are, are the the film grants need to stop. I'm gonna guess that they. <laughs> they didn't need a grant to make this piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, do not watch Filmed this film. This was not an endorsement. This is not okay. an endorsement. We've talked too much about Sierra and Joe. To wrap this up, can we just say we lost an icon here in Sabaya because she really was a star. Yeah. And I was so sad to see her go home. Like, it's, it's devastating because I really thought not only that she was a star, but I thought she was longed for this game. I really yes. thought that she was going to be in this for the long haul. Like, and it's tough it, too yeah, because trucking pun intended. Right. And it's tough too, because she did nothing wrong, right? Like it was yeah. not in her best interest to use uh, the idol. What? Yeah. Well, I think what she did wrong was try to get rid of Caleb. Oh, well, okay. Sorry. Yes. I, yes, I concur. It's also interesting though, because it's like, what do you think it was that made Caleb ultimately, Cause you know, he gave that confessional where he's like, you know, I've, we had made a plan for, you know, for Sabaya to give Emily this incorrect information. So there's a world in which the information that he's accumulating from Emily is exactly the fake out that he, you know, helped maneuver. And yet, so I wonder like, what was it for Caleb that ultimately had him recognize Emily as being truthful without like, without the added layer I have to give all the credit for that to Emily. I think Emily probably convinced him that yeah. this, like, I like, yes, Sabaya told you you're you're the decoy, whatever. Um, but I know all of this. She probably laid out all the information she had and was convincing enough. Yeah. And maybe there was also like the way Sabaya and Sean were acting around him or something like that. Um, but I think that Sabaya swayed the vote. Like I think this yeah. was a big move by, or sorry, not Sabaya. I think that Emily swayed the it's vote. Emily, yeah. I think it's a big move by Emily. I just think it's also disappointing that like we didn't have the opportunity to see Sabaya in more challenges because I mm. feel like, you know, it just was clear that Sabaya was going to be a threat, not just in the strategic game, but also being able to like, you know, contend with the big guys on the challenges. And we didn't get enough of that. And that's disappointing. I feel like she got dealt a bad hand by way of like 
being on a tribe without many people to help her when it came to the physical challenges that the other tribes tend to have tended to have, you know, more big guns, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sabaya joins the ranks of some there's just like always been some really great pre-merge boots from these new era seasons that like I really wanted to watch these people. So like for example, Maddie in 44, of course. 40 wait. <laughs> Did Claire go home pre-merge in 44? I think she did. Yes. Yeah. Claire, like that's a great example. I feel I just feel like there's been some great But 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 I feel like we got a caveat here. Or I'm thinking Lydia as well. Yeah, Lydia. But but all three of these examples are informed by our love for them on social media. That's true. And I don't and, I don't what, think it's fair to say that like you wouldn't look at any of the three of them. I like no, of- Claire was Claire was really good on the show. I agree she was really good, but it was not a performance that made you say we got to keep her around. It didn't like right. rise to a level. Right. Let's, like, let's then, be clear. Then, okay, so in that case, then, Sabaya is, has done even greater. I agree. Greater I think, because, I think like, Sabaya... Yeah. I mean, the only... The player that I can compare her to by way of, like, would be... Um, oh, I was going to say something. I, I, um, who is the woman from 41 who we love? The mm-hmm. older woman who looks very different now than she did when she played Survivor? <laughs> Tiffany Seeley. Mm, yes, Tiffany. Yes, Tiffany. Yeah, but Tiffany made the merge. I but I was saying just in, in right. terms of someone when they went out of the game, I was like, gosh, I wish there was more gas left in the tank. Not who looks very different. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany slight. Tiffany looks slay. Tiffany is snatched. It, this wasn't a. This wasn't a. Criticism. I know. There's no. Oh, there's okay. no. I, I wasn't like trying to like yeah. smooth anything over. I just yeah. like I'm just saying she looks snatched. Well, speaking of All smoothing right. over. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> like a fitted sheet. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Okay. What emoji are people going to comment on the excellent meme cap you've done this week? Mm. Well, wait, should we just I just want to mention the fact that Sean, you know, I uh-huh. got the keys to the Instagram and then later the Twitter. Yeah. Sean has now gotten the keys to the meme caps. And so Well, to Evan's Evan Evan uses a uh, Evan uses a great f- template on Photoshop to make his memes. You know, it's all like, it's, it's all nice and clean and consistent. He's handed that over to me and I've been taking advantage of it for the Traders Canada meme cap, for the Reed Kelly uh, speech, uh, which I painstakingly <laughs> recreated on the Instagram. So yeah, I do have the keys to that, but there's more to a meme cap than a template. That is that is for certain. But I'm glad to be in this together. And speaking of which, everyone, keep your ears perked because that Reed Kelly interview, I think it's coming soon. I'm scared. I I love that the podcast has a has an adversary. Like yeah, that's well, fun so for our lore. I was but... actually thinking we need to add. Let's discuss this. But you know, we obviously have the as Azra, as Award in social media achievement. There's got to be some kind of Reed mm. Kelly Award in the mix here. Mm. You know. Yeah. Maybe the okay. Reed Kelly Award in thirst trappery. Yeah, not bad. Just something to you know, maybe Austin Lee Coon. You know what I mean? Um, okay, so thinking about the emoji for this episode, let's think. Is well, I mean, we could do a hammer. We could do a hammer. We could do a. There's a great guitar emoji for the song. Oh, it's got to be the guitar. Let's memorialize whatever that was with the guitar. Sifu and Jay Maya's jam session with yeah. a guitar emoji. Yeah. Love that. Where's what's the bear guy that did the orchestrations for the first the many seasons? 
Bear? Who did the orchestrations for the, originally that that's no longer on the show? Uh, uh, Russ Landau. Yes, we need the Russ Landau edit. Of, what do you call uh, him a bear? There's someone named Bear that like worked on Survivor, but maybe oh, I'm crazy. Okay. Am I crazy? Yeah, maybe. No, you could be right. But if I what search I Survivor Bear, that's yeah, not, not going to no. get me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Two survive bear attack in Banff National Park. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. With that, we are headed over to the after show on Patreon. So go check that out. Until next week on the main feed. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.